Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Russ Rants Podcast. Seriously, I appreciate it. If you're wondering what this podcast is all about, really, it's, it's about you. It's for you. It's about having conversations with ordinary people and yet hearing their extraordinary stories. It's a platform that hopefully challenges you to challenge yourself to change and improve. Without further ado, here's the rant. Enjoy. Well, we've got a unique version of the Russ Rants podcast uh, for you guys this week. Um, I'm trying something a little bit different. And actually, if you are on twitch.tv slash Russ Rants, right this very moment, you would be watching this live as this is the first ever live recorded Russ Rants podcast. So I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, it's been an enjoyable stream so far. Typically what, what I've been experimenting with is uh, basically we do a little bit of a chill section at the very beginning of the podcast, uh, hang out for a little bit, maybe watch some YouTube videos or play a game. And then depending on how it goes or how I'm feeling about this experiment, um, we will do a Russ Rants podcast episode. So I thought it was kind of neat. And what's what's the deal is with the, the live recording is something kind of I would encourage is uh, interaction. So if people have comments or questions during the podcast – um, you know, you can input it in the chat on twitch.tv slash Russ Rants, uh, while I'm chatting it up here and, uh, I'm going to try to see if, if it's relevant to the stream or relevant to the podcast, I will answer your query on the show and we'll just include it in the episode. So I thought it was kind of cool. So I hope you guys are all doing well. Um, I, it's, it's been a wild ride actually so far as, um, upon relaunching the Russ Rants podcast, I've been just so privileged and blessed to have uh, two guests in a row. And if you guys know my previous episodes with the Russ Rants podcast, you will know that that is an accomplishment uh, because it took me forever back in the day to get guests on the show. So very, very cool that uh, we had first Ryan Dean Dexton uh, on the episode What the Chef. I believe that was episode 29. Forgive me if it was episode 28 or 30, but I believe it was episode 29. And I believe for episode 30, we had Bryce Gremlin Plant, uh, known as Gremlin. He just released his latest EP, Memories. And I want to give another shout out. Uh, if you don't, if you haven't followed him yet, go on Instagram at Gremlin Music. That's G-R-E-M-L-Y-N Music. If you want to financially support him, either stream his music uh, on any major streaming platform you got amazon music of course we're on stream um right now or you could go to i don't know you could go to apple music you go to spotify he is there uh but if you want to support him direct more direct you can actually go to gremlin.bandcamp.com that's gremlin.bandcamp.com to support him he's even got merch there other albums really cool stuff i'd highly encourage you to listen to his latest ep it makes me emotional uh, i i i just listened to a few songs here at the very beginning of the of the of the stream this evening fantastic stuff okay so that's out of the way in a good way bryce i hope you're doing well love you buddy all the best support you all right so I didn't know I was going to actually do this, uh, just so you guys know. So those who are listening on the recorded version, wherever you may be, whether you're at work, you're at home, um, I, I want to say thank you again, by the way, for the, the those that encourage and support the, the podcast. It does mean the world to me when you guys um, let me know that you're out there, um, just because it's, it's so humbling, but it's also just fun. Uh, that's the whole point of this podcast is to... I don't know, spread encouragement, uh, give you someone positive. Uh, I'm in your corner. I've said that before, and I just want to make sure you guys know uh, how much it means to me to hear from you guys. So if you guys do enjoy the show, 
uh, let me know. Don't be shy. Um, you know, and even if you've got constructive criticism, I'm a big boy. I can take it. Uh, if you have, uh, if you have any thoughts or ideas for future episodes or even just questions about the episodes that has, that happens. Thankfully, it's not has happened. That happens. Um, where people will comment, Hey, and regarding your latest podcast, you know, uh, my cousin TJ, I'm going to give him a shout out from Lethbridge. He's been a supporter since day one. Um, TJ, I don't know what you're doing right now. If you're swinging a ranch or if you're cussing someone out, uh, but I always appreciate you. But TJ has been really good. Whenever I've seen him, he'll come up to me regarding whatever the latest episode was and be like, uh, Hey, I listened to your podcast. Uh, I disagree. Or this is what I think about it. It's awesome. I love that kind of feedback. So it's really, really cool. This is kind of the community that's happening. So it just really encourages me. Okay. Um, I didn't know what I was going to talk about tonight. Um, sometimes that happens. Sometimes I do jot down notes. Um, but I knew that I wanted to do the podcast and then something struck me and it actually has been tickling my brain, uh, for a few, maybe a few weeks loosely, just in the back crevices of my brain. And I I didn't know I wanted to put it in an episode, but I think I do. And I'm open to your guys' thoughts. I'm going to try to keep it as open-ended as possible, or maybe just give my two cents at the end and I'd love to hear your feedback. Okay. Um, but I, I want to kind of talk about the cost, the sacrifice of dreams, the, the cost and the sacrifice of greatness. Now, no, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. If you're going to, if you're going to hit that pause button or if you're like, Oh, please, this is beat to death. This is the cliche of cliches, Russ. We don't need to beat this down. Um, we know that there's a cost to greatness. Hollywood makes a living promoting those, uh, feel good movies that talk about, uh, you know, the cost of greatness. Those who are great are called, uh, there's a great destiny, you know, whether it's a mythical knight on a quest to kill the dragon and save the girl, um, or it's a politician or, you know, it's a, a breakthrough in her life and she's the chosen one, whatever. We've heard that cliche. Okay. But I want to, I want to talk about why, um, but this is a little bit more grounded, a little bit more real, um, because you, you might not aspire to be the world's most powerful human being. Uh, that sounds like an evil evil antagonist uh, mission, um, or you might not aspire to be a world changer, um, but you might aspire to be, I don't know, you, you might inspire to or uh, be inspired to inspire others. You might uh, aspire to be great in your own right, um, a, a foundation in your family, a, a great teammate, a good boss. There's many of them. There's tons of categories that aren't just like you don't have to be uh, Jeff Bezos, you, you know, of Amazon, you, you could be the best that you are. And we, we all aspire to that to some degree, but there are those then that put a higher goal and a higher calling on a pedestal and you hear these remarkable stories, some of them amazingly positive and some of them amazingly sobering and negative about people that did whatever it took to be more than they were to make their name a legend Right again, not to be a cliche, but I'll give the main example of the the spark of my thought this evening is uh, I was uh, hanging with my daughter Kezi uh, because my wife had bravely taken my two sons to go do some late evening grocery shopping, and I was hanging with my daughter. And after we finished up our round of imaginary tea and colored, uh, eventually uh, I've been pretty exhausted these last few uh, weekdays as I have now started a new workout routine, just so you guys know, uh, I get up at 5.30 in the morning to work out. And yes, uh, it is as terrible as it sounds. 
I have been told you grow into it, but I have yet to feel that way as I die somewhere between 5 and 7 p.m. every day. Um, but working out with three kids as the alternative is enough of a deterrent for me to get up at an ungodly hour. Okay, just, just for an understanding. And so I was hanging out with Kezi, and I finally just got, I got super tired. I, you know, I wanted to make sure she got some dad time, and, and you know, I, I did do my best. But then eventually I'm like, okay, sweetie, here's 15 minutes on the iPad to give daddy a breather, okay? And so I was going to watch the football game, but I do as most uh, people do, is when you're not really in a hurry to do anything, you, you channel surf, right? And um, I was channel surfing, and I stumbled upon the movie Steve Jobs uh, with one of my favorite actors, Michael Fassbender. And I forgot that Seth Rogen is Steve Wozniak. I forgot. And he actually does a really good job, Seth Rogen. And uh, he's got like Kate Winslet in it. They've got Jeff Daniels, really good actors. And I was hooked right away. I love that kind of stuff, right? I'm the kind of nerd, you can ask my wife, I'm the kind of nerd that brings open imdb.com when I hear a notable voice in a children's animation because I have to know who that actor is. That is the kind of guy I am. So, of course, I'm sucked right in. Of course, I know who Steve Jobs is. If you do not know who Steve Jobs is, um, maybe don't be ashamed. Maybe some people would say that that's admirable in this day and age, but Steve Jobs was the co-founder and really the pioneer of Apple. That iPhone you have in your hand, that MacBook you have, uh, that MacBook Air you have, uh, I don't know if you still have one kicking around, but the iPod you used to listen to, that's all him. That vision was him, okay? And I, I started watching the beginning of this movie, and I was sucked in, and I will admit, with a bit of guilt, and I will aspire to be better, that I might have asked Alexa to set an extra 15-minute timer to give my daughter a half-hour total of screen time, okay? I try my best to limit my kids sometimes, and uh, because it was the beginning of the movie showing his personality in like 1986, 84. It was when they launched their new Apple. It was after the, the um, oh man, why am I drawing a blank on it? Was it the Apple II? Oh yeah, it was the Apple II had been already active for seven years and they were now launching their first ever Mac, okay? And... It just it just drew me in, but it showed, or at least you know, I believe the goal of the movie was to try to show Steve Jobs' intensity, his perfectionistic nature. Uh, it was beautifully written dialogue, articulating his desire and craving, and his belief that it was essential to have control. Control had it. He had to have control. And he didn't. And he says a line in the movie about how he he doesn't understand how anyone in the in life could give up control. It's so valuable. Who would want to live without it? And so, anyways, I'm watching this, and apparently there's a woman who confronts him that this kid that she has is his daughter. He has no time for it. He has a speech in like 15 minutes, releasing the new Mac to the shareholders. They're gonna make millions of dollars. He doesn't have time for disruptions like that. And it, it just kind of shows him, forgive my language, but it shows him being a dick. Uh, he dismisses this woman. He's very passive to the girl. Um, he is an intense guy to his staff, telling this coder he needs the Mac to say hello. He has to have the Mac to say hello. And if he doesn't have it ready by the time he goes on stage in like 10 minutes now, this guy's a programmer, if he doesn't have it ready, he's going to thank everyone by name 
individually, right down to the calculator, he says, of who invented and helped him create the, the Mac. And then he's going to say, oh, and the voice command that didn't work was built by this guy. Crazy. And so, again, just, just showing some bits and pieces of how he's a dick, and, and it shows further on uh, how uh, that Mac actually tanked, how he, they couldn't beat IBM, um, Apple really struggled, and eventually John Scully, which was the CEO of Apple, um, uh, kicked out Steve Jobs. It actually, they actually kicked him out of his own company, the co-founder, uh, because he was so terrible to, to work with, essentially. Um, and so anyways, I got a point to this. So I just want to summarize for you again where this comes from. So anyways, um, there was a real drive there. Um, there was a real passion. Of course, we know, I didn't get to finish the movie, obviously, but we, we know the story that he actually came back in the 90s, um, re, re, retook over Apple, and then made them this juggernaut they are today. Unfortunately, he died of cancer um, in his 60s, late 50s, 60s. Obviously, I don't have my history on Steve Jobs. That's not important, but the intensity of this man, but he, I was reading up on him afterwards. John Scully was, like I said, the CEO and he considers Steve Jobs a friend, even though they had their ups and downs. Obviously when you kick someone out of a company that they helped start, I would say that that would definitely cause some rifts. Um, but John Scully said that he learned some stuff from Steve Jobs and Steve Jobs always had the saying with Apple, we're going to put a dent in the universe. We're going to put a dent in the universe. He said that when, um, just so you guys know, again, really cool history here, that Steve Jobs met with uh, John Scully, who was former, formerly the CEO of Pepsi. Okay, he was involved in the Cola Wars, which is another great documentary movie. I would highly encourage you guys to watch. Super fascinating of the battle between Pepsi and Coca Cola. That is a tangent. We're not going to go there. John Scully was formerly the CEO of Pepsi, and Steve Jobs so desperately wanted Scully to take over Apple. He saw his leadership, his acumen, his maturity, and he's like, that guy being our CEO is going to take us to the next level. Kind of cool. And they met every weekend for six months. Steve Jobs tried to persuade Scully to come join Apple. Crazy. And uh, Scully talked about how in the final days leading up to Scully eventually saying yes, yeah, spoiler alert, obviously, because I've already given it away, um, he just wouldn't. He eventually told Steve, he's like, I'm not going to take the job. I, I'm not, I'm not going to come join you at Apple. I, I like what I've got here. And Steve looked at him. He said he was like 20 inches away from his face, just, just over a foot and a half. And he said to him, John, if you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life, be my guest. But if you want to change the world, come with me. Wow. Like this guy's intensity was ridiculous. And this is Michael Fassbender acting. Imagine what the reality, hopefully, maybe it was a really good portrayal, I don't know, but imagine how Steve Jobs was in real life. John Scully said that Steve Jobs was really, really difficult to work with. He said that a programmer, uh, that Steve Jobs' gift was vision, right? And I'll get to that in a moment too, because like I said, I have a point near the end of this uh, about why I wanted to talk about this, but um, Steve Jobs had such vision. He had a knack for finding the right people first off, to work for him, like he sought out Scully, uh, he found different talent and he recruited them to his cause. Um, so that was one talent, but the second one was zooming in and zooming out. Uh, he said that zooming out, Steve was able to see how different industries would actually merge and be able to play into each other to basically take over an entirely new industry. Uh, he's alluding to like printers, 
lasers and motherboards, how the whole computer component we take for granted today was envisioned or partially envisioned by Steve Jobs, right? Steve Jobs saw that and he's like, this is going to become a whole new pioneered industry. We're going to make it. We're going to change the world with how we're blending things that were originally separated and now they're becoming one amalgamation, okay? And then he said he would also zoom in though and hone in on absolute perfection. And uh, he, he said that he would streamline a process even if it was cross-industry because he could see point A to point B and the shortest way to, from point A to point B wasn't around the barriers of these different industries and these different components of these computers. It was rather the opposite. He would see that they would just cross through. He'd just barge right through processes to get to the simplest one. He tells a story, again, John Scully, CEO of Apple, former CEO, tells a story about how Steve Jobs, um, an engineer came to him who had worked on this program 24 hours straight. It was something to do with the desktop. And it, it was something about bringing up a feature on the desktop. And he said, Steve, Steve, I've, I've got it. I've been working all night, 24 hours for you. And I've got this process down to five steps. Let me show you. And Steve said, don't come back and talk to me until you got it down to three steps. Intense. This guy's intense. Steve Jobs, let me segue, had a dream. Steve Jobs had a vision, an absolute vision, a craft. It showed in the movie, uh, Steve Waj, Wozniak, Waj. I'm not, maybe I'm just even saying his last name wrong. I thought it was Wozniak, but I'll just say Waj to protect myself. Um, he used to say computers aren't paintings because Steve would, uh, Jobs would keep alluding to these works of art. It's his creation. It's a, it's a beautiful masterpiece. And then Waj would say, it's not a painting. And uh, I won't say the word, but you know, uh, Steve Jobs would say, F you. And he says, I'm going to say F you every time you say that to me, either until you stop or die. Because to him, a computer was a painting. It was an embodiment of his vision, of his character, of how this was going to change the world. It had to be perfect. And it shows Steve Jobs' unrealistic expectation of perfection. Uh, how his next company, after he was kicked out of Apple, next, he spent $600,000 on artwork without even knowing what he was, he was building yet as a product. And Steve Jobs um, meticulously fought with engineering uh, for a, a cube that was... 90.1 degree angles, not 90 degree angles. And it talks about that. It talks about his insatiable thirst and, 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 and insistence on control because his vision was going to put a dent in the universe, right? So Steve is obviously the exception to the rule. Not all of us are as intense as Steve, but they are out there. You talk about, you know, anyone. You talk about, um, was it Mike Croc? Dave Croc? Ah, man, I wish I could recall names on the fly, but it's Croc, the the founder, right? You've seen that movie with Michael Keaton, uh, the founder uh, about uh, McDonald's and and how, you know, he saw what the McDonald brothers had, which was a very streamlined, efficient, small operation to serve up burgers, fries, and soda, and he franchised it across the world, right? McDonald's is a powerhouse now, so is Apple because of their vision, because of how, you know, these, these people saw something. Um, these, these people are leaders, uh, the founder, the visionary, the architect, the dreamer. And they saw something and they were willing to sacrifice everything 
and anyone to accomplish it, which leads to now the other half of this podcast episode about what I want to talk about. What the cost for them was never too high because it led to in what in their minds was the most important thing, which was the vision, the dream, right? The dream for Steve Jobs was that you'd have 2,000 songs in your pocket. That was his pitch for the iPod. Um, Steve Jobs made Apple the prestigious thing that it is today, but he got mocked for it. People thought he was crazy, chaotic, psycho. He was willing to ruin relationships and friendships, um, marriage, maybe his kids for that product because to him, that was his legacy. That was worth living and dying for. We, we, we've got the same thing. Uh, I would argue, you know, Croc uh, with McDonald's. He definitely had a, a tough go with his marriage because to him, again, this was bigger than him. McDonald's was, was bigger than anything he'd ever seen. This was going to change the world. And I just wonder how many more stories are out there like that. Uh, would it be Netflix? Um, what about Jeff Bezos? Uh, he, he's divorced, yet he's super inspired uh, with his space program. I love his public programs, by the way. I know he's not a saint. Uh, I know that you might hate him for his shrewdness with uh, hiding money, hiding money, as in like um, his shrewdness with, with finances. If they reinvest right back into Amazon, making it profitable, they're a juggernaut. Even during the pandemic, they were rolling out shipping facilities and sortation facilities because he was providing a service. Uh, Jeff Bezos, incredible, incredible. Um, but you just wonder the cost of these visionaries. I, there's a famous photo, uh, famous now, of Jeff Bezos sitting at his desk, dingy, dingy office. I think cinder block walls, maybe I'm wrong. And he's got a poster behind him saying amazonbooks.com or something like that because that was their first. I remember growing up, guys. I, I remember seeing Amazon and it was just known as a bookstore, an online bookstore. An online bookstore. A visionary, though, he saw that that was going to change the world somehow, right? He crossed industries much to what Steve Jobs could see. Jeff Bezos did the exact same thing. And um, these guys and, and women, these dreamers, something catches where there has to be a line they are either willing to cross or not cross to sacrifice it all. What about the social network, right? Mark Zuckerberg, you see famously, I even just saw it on my Instagram feed today. I follow a lot of cinema and movie accounts. Andrew Garfield brilliantly plays um, Jesse Eisenberg's uh, counterpart in the movie, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's partner, who he essentially buys out by tricking him into signing legal documents um, and then expanding Facebook shares by 24 million and literally making this guy's shares worthless, like worthless, worth nothing. It was just sneaky. It was dirty pool. I love that saying, by the way, dirty pool. What's the cost of a dream so that it still is a good, healthy dream to change the world or change you or change your family, but not too far that it becomes a nightmare? Seriously, what what's the line? What what happens? Where who who how do we determine what's too far? And what's not far enough?
right? Because then you don't want to make it as an excuse either. Like, uh, well, you know, I don't want to hurt those I love, so I'm just not going to be great. I would allude back to uh, my my good buddy um, uh, Black Wooks uh, from RuneScape. You know, I've been in contact with my man uh, BLK or Black. I, I love you, man. You know who you are. Um, he was he and I were talking on stream a, a few weeks ago about how he was scared to be great because he didn't want to hurt those he loved because of his potential. And, you know, you might think that that sounds sappy or something, but it's not. That's a realistic fear in a lot of people. So it's not just what's too far. It's what's not enough. But we're talking about what's too far today. I think that this can just be very minor. Again, you, you might be like, ah, Russ, that's not me. I'm not going after Apple. I'm not trying to start the next wave of new technology. I'm just trying to be, you know, a good worker. I'm just trying to be uh, an entertaining friend. I'm just trying to make YouTube videos as best I can. Um, I'm trying to get my business off the ground. I'm trying to launch this app. Uh, I'm just trying to be better in my department. Um, you know, the list can go on and on and on. But long story short, there's always going to be a temptation to cross a line. Now, my, my personality, as you guys know, um, I'm not a perfectionist, but I am an overperformer, right? I don't dare risk putting in too little effort. Uh, more often than not, I will often put in too much. Uh, burnout uh, is more so my tendency than lethargy and sloth. And uh, one of, my, one of my, my oversights in my company, one of my overseers, my bosses, I don't know how the right grammatical term is for them, but, but one of my overseers uh, checks in with me pretty regularly, probably every Friday. I love this guy dearly. He keeps me honest. Um, he 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 often can wear his HR hat and then his main duty hat, but he he loves to switch it off and and turn on kind of his HR hat and, and sit down and ask employees how they're really doing. And I love that. I would say he's one of the key spirits of our company. It's awesome. And we were talking how we have the same tendency to be too afraid of being lazy, so we burn ourselves out by overworking ourselves. Um, then trying to put emphasis on resting, trying to put emphasis on it will get there, but you need to pace yourself, reflect on what matters. And uh, he actually just talked to me about this last week. He was just checking in on me, how we celebrate. And it's not even North American culture anymore. It's actually spreading across the world. We celebrate the workaholic mentality. Oh, you didn't work 40 hours. You work 60. That's a pioneer. Great job. Well done. You, you are a, you're a star. Your boss recognized that. Of course, bosses love that to a degree, right? Most would argue that they would love it with when their employee shows such awesome ownership. And that's not always a bad thing, by the way. Um, there are some key moments in time when there are times to push harder than you ever have few, uh, before for a short period. That's, that's a sprint. But if you try to sprint or if you try to have this, the pace of a sprint in a marathon, you'll die. That's reality. That's not philosophical. You will not last. That's how it works. You knew you weren't built to sustain that pace. That's why that analogy is going to be timeless forever is because it's such a great picture of the comparison. You still want to win the race. You still want to make progress, but you have to pace yourself. And But then here's my conundrum, and this is a thought I would like to throw across to all of our, our wonderful viewers and listeners, is 
would we have Apple if Steve Jobs wasn't the a-hole and burned the bridges he had? To, he had? Uh, would we not be benefiting from his sacrifice? Or would his results result still come about if he had tried to save those relationships and be a bit nicer, more honoring, compassionate, gracious, or patient with his employees and friends? Honestly, would, would we have McDonald's if, I got to say it's Ray Kroc. It is driving me crazy. I'm going to Google it. I'm going to say it right now. Ray, oh, I think it is. It's Ray Kroc. Come on, Russ. It is. It is Ray Kroc. Marvelous. Would we have McDonald's if Ray wasn't willing to basically undercut literally the McDonald's brothers to get us the franchise that we so very much so enjoy but also take for granted? What about technology, internet, uh, telephone, Alexander Graham Bell? Did he sacrifice family or not? Uh, what I'm trying to say is do we have to make the choice? Is it literally all or nothing? Or am I just blowing smoke? Because it's easy for me also on my perch though, safely in my bedroom, good job, good family. I do put a high emphasis on, on my marriage, on my kids. Because to me, that's the ultimate investment. What do you, when you die, I mean, last time I checked, I don't think you're taking much with you. Uh, I, I don't think you can take anything with you. Yeah, you might be buried in a nice suit or a nice dress, uh, in a coffin or a casket, which apparently there's a difference. I had no idea, but there is. There's a coffin or a casket. Didn't know that. Um, but but money just sits. Now, to some people, the motivation would be leaving money for their loved ones. And so in that way, though, you are caring for your family members. Some go about it, though, in a little bit of a unethical or rough way. But my, my, my point is, to me... The value is in the relationships I have, the family I have, not, not the product, uh, not the finances. However, I'm going to pause there because personally, you guys know this if you've, you've listened or even if you just know me, I do desire to be great, not in a prideful way, but I wish to reach out to anyone who lacks a friend, who lacks inspiration who lacks is someone who believes in them. I aspire to find those people and to boost them up and help them achieve their personal greatness, whatever that means, whether it's the best husband, you can be best wife, you can be best employee, best employer, uh, entrepreneur, uh, volunteer, whatever. I want to empower you to be the best you you can be. And again, um, you, you might cringe at how cliche that is, but in my personal opinion, if broken down in its simplest principles, that is an awesome goal. That is a valiant goal that I, I want to aspire to. It's, it's why I enjoy doing the, the podcast, even though maybe no one listens to it, which thankfully I know you do, which is awesome. That's why I show up on stream uh, once a week still, even though I have like no, no viewer following, and that's okay. Um, but to me, that still means a lot. To me... It's still worth it. Why? Because I'm trying. I'm never going to not try. Um, I might not be, I'm not willing to sacrifice my marriage. I could easily game on this all day, every day. I could make some sketchy financial decisions. 
uh, invest in a computer that we don't have budgeted so that I can try to stream better games and build a platform. I could spend all of my time on my phone. I could spend all of my time on my phone uh, marketing and building campaigns on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, rather than paying attention to my kids. Uh, I could structure my entire life around this platform. I could structure it for sure. And the fact is I see so many people hustling, right? We, we have that phrase, hustling, hustle, side hustle. I, I, could, I could literally, well, maybe not literally, but maybe kill myself to be quote unquote famous, right? To be internet famous, I could do whatever it took at, at a cost though. That time, ignoring, I could burn a bridge right now with my wife. I could just be like, you know what? It's been fun. Eight years of marriage. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, good to have the children. Um, I'm okay to maybe take them every other weekend, but I need time to invest in my platform because people out there need me. They need Russ Rants. Now, sounds crazy, doesn't it? When, when you say it like, whoa, Russ, I do not like that guy, that, that version of Russ. But think about that. That's that's just the alternative version of Steve Jobs, or rather, that is the real version of Steve Jobs. What's the alternative? Maybe he's in the garage with Waj, famous, you know, c cool scene in the movie where Waj is setting him straight on how bad he is at product design and how leave it to Waj to design what will actually sell. But Steve has the direction and the vision. Steve can see in his mind. But what if what if Steve Jobs instead? paused and said, you know what? It isn't worth this. It isn't worth my friendship to do this, Waj. I, I want to do this together. I, I don't want to, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't want to burn our bridge. What happens? Does he ever hit that echelon? You know, that's the alternative version, in my opinion, in an alternate universe, they call it the multiverse in Marvel comics and, you know, uh, the multiverse in DC Right? They love that in comics, but that's the multiverse version of Steve Jobs. Somewhere is a very nice guy, um, ha happy wife, happy kids, maybe doing a good job as an entrepreneur somewhere or working in a company where he's able to dream and market because to him, it's not worth that insatiable thirst for control. Instead, he wants a good life with his family. I don't know. Right? But... What's the multiverse? Russell is it's right there. It's a choice. So the title of this podcast and the question is, when does the dream become a nightmare? Where's the line? I want to be a world famous chef. That is an admirable goal. Shout out to Ryan Dean Dexton, his podcast, uh, our, our podcast episode, what the chef, it's a really good one. He shared about, um, his vision and, and what he's been experiencing and the beauty of cooking. I loved it. It was great. So what happens if he wants to be the world's, the world's greatest chef, right? You know, what's he willing to do to sacrifice to make that happen? Because it's going to have to come at a cost. Kobe Bryant didn't become one of the best basketball players of our time because, you know, he, he wanted to just take it easy. The guy was a monster. He, he, his workout regime was famous all over because of the intensity he refused to let go of day in and day out. Driven, passionate, amazing. Um, here, I'm actually going to bring it up because it, it just keeps coming to mind. Is it Joy? I think that was the movie, Joy. 
Jennifer Lawrence was in the movie Joy. Um, and it's a biogra- biographical comedy drama film as Joy Mangiano, a self-made millionaire who created her own business empire. And if I do recall, there are some significant hurdles because it's a woman who came from nothing and then founded an invention, I believe. It was like some kind of mop. And then, well, booming, right? Made all this money. But what what about the the... the turmoil that she went through now again though it could be perfectly justified turmoil there are such things as adversity that is necessary that is positive adversity okay don't get me wrong don't get me mistaken to russell don't just don't try everyone be super nice aspire to get married and don't ruffle any feathers and don't chase your dreams because it's not worth it that's what russell's saying no that is not what i'm saying i'm saying where is the line what is greatness with a win and a greatness with a loss? I would argue losing your loved ones and those closest to you is a loss. I would argue that gaining everything in the world but losing those closest to you uh, isn't worth it. That's, that's what I'm saying. And I'm saying, when does the dream become a nightmare? And then how do you deal with it? I, I would say that some of the key things I would just recommend as you're self-reflecting on this, is perspective. Um, is this family member, for example, let's just, I keep alluding to family because I, to me, I think it's a really, I don't know, it's, it's a really terrifying notion that I would ever lose Pola because I wanted to pursue fame. But that does happen a lot. Uh, Hollywood, I'm sure it's full of stories of relationships that started out great um, and then blew up because fame hit one of them and they were willing to give up that relationship to aspire for more. The, my, one of my favorite movies of all time is That Thing You Do. If you have not watched it, quick plug for that movie, directed by Tom Hanks. Uh, he stars in it as well. That Thing You Do, marvelous movie. It's about a small band from Erie, Pennsylvania uh, called The Wonders. Uh, inside joke, though, to those who have watched the movie, uh, they were formerly known as The O'Neaters. And they get famous. They they write a hit song, small band, and it blows up. It's the equivalent to our generation's One Direction, or now in this current, current generation, sorry, I forgot how old I was, uh, BTS, right? Uh, it blew up. They were the most famous band in America. They were flying all over, doing shows, and it, you just watch their relationships unravel. You just watch the niceties and the buddy-buddy stuff just fall apart. And just some people get downright nasty. Some people get scared. Uh, and some people, uh, well, are just absolutely heartbroken. Okay? And so we see that. And so perspective, I would say, would be something that I, I would want to encourage us all to try to have is, you know, if if success or fame finds you, or if you just find that you're you're making ground in, in something you're passionate about. See, with my personality, I have to see results. And I will I will be perfectly transparent. That is sometimes why uh, I've taken breaks from streaming is because it's it's disheartening. I, I would like to say I'm growing from, but it's 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 disheartening to not see uh, anyone online with me while I'm gaming. But again, I haven't given you a right to know why it's worth watching me or hanging with me while I game. Okay, that's my responsibility, but it's still disheartening, right? So I love results, and I don't like to invest in something that doesn't get me results. So what do I do? If I don't see results, um, 
I, I, I get frustrated, angry. I'm very grumpy at home because I feel like I'm not living purposefully, which I'm very passionate about. My wife will notice. But the problem is when I'm getting a drought in one area like Twitch, if there's a drought there, I haven't seen results or I'm not seeing the progress I want. But let's say work, my main job, promotes me. Um, or I start seeing real progress at work and, and people are recognizing me or I'm just contributing to something meaningful. I can see results. I see the progress. It's very satisfying. It is. And that's okay to feel satisfied. But for my personality, what happens is I tend to get sucked into that success and I divert most of my attention towards it because I am value hungry. And what happens? Sometimes I will accidentally be on my phone too much. Uh, and props to my wife who's super patient, uh, but she'll be like, honey, you're on your phone at dinner time, right? Uh, or while the kids are trying to play and I'm just tired and, oh, I worked hard this week and I, I don't want to spend time with my kids, so I just hide on my phone on the couch, I, I, right? I, I'm now sacrificing that family time, that family attention um, for work time. I'll answer work emails. Why? Because there's, there's tangible value there. If I move this deal along, success is nigh. It's, it's, it's measurable, tangible success, tangible progress. And so what I have to do personally is I have to look at perspective. My jobs will come and go. Um, lessons will stay with you. You will grow as a person, but jobs do come and go. Now, don't be lazy. Do not misinterpret. Well, Russ just said I should always pay attention to my wife and who screw work. No, I'm not. I'm saying balance. Um, but it's okay to be invested in your job and to love what you do. But you also have to have perspective. It, am I hurting those I love? It, am I not paying attention to my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my family, my mom or my dad, my, my siblings? Am I not making time to go out with friends because I'd rather be at work uh, closing a deal because that feels better? Even though maybe I haven't seen anyone in, in weeks or months because of COVID. And you know maybe I can go and have a nice social distanced uh, get together with friends or family. It's good for my mental health. Oh, I'm just going to stay at the office because that that's more measurable. Where's the line though? Because you're no different than Steve Jobs. You're just not an a-hole and there's not billions of dollars on the line. And maybe your marriage isn't in turmoil, but there is a line being crossed, isn't there? Again, not the same intensity, but it, 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 isn't that the same principle? Maybe more moderate? I don't know. It just gives me It just gives me pause. But again, like I said, back to my other conundrum, my main conundrum is like, would we be where we are today if certain people aren't willing to blow it up? Do you have to blow it up? Do you have to burn bridges to expand new territory, to be a true pioneer? Or can you have your family intact and still change the world, still put a dent in the universe, as Steve Jobs says? I don't know. I would like to think so. I'd like to think that there are very successful people out there uh, changing the world with, with companies and inventions and medical breakthroughs who also have amazing work-life balance. Whether, whether you're a religious person or not, uh, Billy Graham was asked if he could do anything. You know, if you don't know who Billy Graham is, quick synopsis, he's, he's a Christian evangelist. Um, he basically revolutionized crusades, evangelical Christian crusades. He traveled all over the world uh, preaching the gospel. 
um, you know, promoting Jesus and, and salvation. He went everywhere. And he traveled all over, but that was a great call, right? Some people would call that a, ba- a great call. He was like Steve Jobs. He had the big burden of putting a dent in the universe, and that was his, his contribution to doing that. And he wasn't on his deathbed, but he was older. And they asked him, you know, Billy, if you could go back, is there anything you would change? And he said to them, and he said, it. remember, Billy Graham, look him up. Those that, that, that have spiritual beliefs, those Christians out there, if you... Billy Graham said, I would probably, it's not what probably, I would spend more time at home. But Billy, would we have people coming to Christianity, coming to Jesus, uh, lives you've changed and touched? Would, uh, would those lives have been changed or touched if you'd spend a few extra days at home? Quite possibly. It's weird, isn't it? I, just for me, I just find that balance fascinating. Would would we have the world we have today if people tried to to have more balance and perspective or not? I have just another note down here, but it's pretty much alongside perspective is know what true value is. What's it worth? Right? Is it worth is it worth sacrificing those relationships to have that status? Maybe, maybe to you. And then, like I said, where, where would we be without tunnel vision? So I just, I just have those thoughts. It's just one of those thoughts that can keep you up at night. But I just thought it was so interesting watching that uh, tidbit of that or the beginning of that movie, Steve Jobs. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it over the next few days. Hold me to it, people. Um, just to see how the trenches that Steve Jobs you know, walked through, fought through, the people he discarded, the people he befriended, um, I'll end with this. Just because Steve Jobs was such an interesting guy, I think this is fascinating. So there's a scene where, you know, he's already been kicked out of his company and he's launching his next company called Next. Yeah, very creative name, Next. That's the idea where he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on a design of a cube that houses the computer components, okay? And uh, Steve Woj, Wozniak, um, again, co-founder of Apple, kicked him out, right, with uh, John Scully. And uh, Woj goes to see him during the press conference, the, the expo launch of Steve Jobs' new company. Very admirable. Obviously, there was a bit of bad blood back then, and Woj did a public interview where he really smeared Steve as a tough guy to work with and for... And, you know, basically, basically left, he, he, he chucked Steve Jobs under the bus is what Waj did. Okay. So there's, there's a bit of tension. And so Waj comes to this theater to see Steve Jobs' big announcement. So he meets him backstage and they're talking and they, they walk out into the theater and Steve walks, Steve Jobs walks into the orchestra pit. Okay. Please let me know. Hopefully you're envisioning what I'm saying. He's walking into this orchestra pit and he walks around and he's like, oh, the orchestra pit. He says, I once watched this legendary composer lead the orchestra. And I was able to talk to him after the performance. This is Steve Jobs talking. He says, I was able to talk to the composer. Um, am I saying that right? Is it composer? Is that the guy that holds the baton or the, the stick and, and, and drives the tempo? I think it's composer. Maybe I'm wrong, guys. Sorry, I hope that you're understanding what I'm trying to say. He, uh, this legendary composer... And Steve Jobs says, I asked him what the difference was, be- why, what he could do that a standard metronome could not, because technically they keep time, right? 
And the composer said to him, these musicians play their instruments. They master their instruments, celloists, violinists, uh, clarinets, flutes, saxophones, whatever, percussion, cymbals. So they, they are the best at what they do. They, they play their instruments, he says, but I, the composer, play the orchestra. And Steve Jobs turns to, to Waj and says, that is what I am good at. I play the orchestra. The gift. John Scully, even in his interview, says that that was, that was the gift of Steve Jobs. Uh, was, was recruiting talent, leading talent. He wasn't a programmer. He wasn't an engineer. He wasn't a designer. He wasn't a marketer. Steve Jobs was none of those things. But he could guide and lead and direct all of them towards a common goal. That was Steve Jobs' gift. So whether or not you, you have that gift or you have your own gifts that you've just been amazingly been blessed to have, A, what are you doing with them? And that's a different podcast. So you can hear all my other podcasts about some of that. Uh, but also, where's the line? Now, we won't talk about it here, but are you too far away from it because you just lack the, the, the drive to try? Well, I, like I said, I have some episodes about that. But if you're trying so, so hard, just maybe take a, a step back for a moment. And just assess if you're in balance or not. That's just my thoughts. So thank you very much for listening to the Rust Rants podcast. Thank you very much for viewing the Rust Rants stream on twitch.tv slash Rants. If you have any ideas or any comments about this episode or any prior uh, episodes, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Rants R-U-S-S-R-E-N, or sorry, R-U-S-S-R-A-N-T-Z. Or you can email me, if you prefer that instead, uh, at russrantsreal, that's R-U-S-S-R-A-N-T-Z-R-E-A-L, russrantsreal at gmail.com. Uh, thank you, as always, for your support. Uh, I really do appreciate it. I love I love coming back to the podcast. I'm back. Uh, and I do stream. Just so you guys know, I've changed my schedule a little bit. Uh, so I, um, I stream every Thursday. Around 8 or 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time to around 9, 9.30, 10 uh, Mountain Standard Time. And it's just so in flux with what I can dedicate to it. That's why you're hearing me like wish-wash on the times. I'm just trying to balance what I can do. So uh, thank you so very much, everybody. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. And yeah, let me know your thoughts. But keep the balance. Don't let the dream become the nightmare. Okay? Take care. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rust Rants Podcast. Feel free to like and subscribe to support. I love hearing from you, so make sure you send me any feedback and show ideas at russrantsreal at gmail.com. You can find me at Twitter at russrants1 and Instagram at russrants. Thanks so much, and I hope to see you next time. Seriously, take care. Bye-bye.